thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Guys, we are we're coming in on this, on this series, and we're walking through this, this beautiful book this summer that has been transformative in my own personal life. And I, I wanted to share some of the thoughts that, that God's spoken to me. I want to share them with you as we walk through this. And, and I really believe God's going to change you. He's going to transform you. He's, he's going to light your world up with the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so because we're, we're talking about prayer, as I was thinking about this today, I was thinking about all the different people that have impacted me. They've, they've, they've transformed me by me being around them when they pray. And I've been influenced by many different people who have prayed in many different ways. How many know that there are different ways to pray? There really are. There are different ways to pray. And, uh, and so many times in church, we like to just lock in something and say, no, no, you got to pray this way in order to get that done. Because, you know, we like living by systems. Because systems help us really not have to trust God. We trust the system. And so we need to be able to pray in the manner in which God has called you as individuals to pray. I was influenced by people praying. When I was growing up, I, uh, I went to a chapel at um, Mababa College. Every morning they had early morning prayer. How many know for a 19-year-old or even a 39-year-old, early morning prayer is tough? Somebody give me an amen. The early morning prayer is tough. It's hard. And so I'd show up, and some people, it was like God created them to pray early in the morning. They just woke up, and it was like, it, you know, for me, I, I heard a guy in college, he goes, listen, I, he was in Bible college, he goes, I don't even believe in God until my second cup of coffee. So that, that's kind of what I felt like sometimes. But I'd go in, and they'd be praying, and all types of different prayers that were happening in this morning. And the, the president of the college would walk around, and he had this deep voice, and he prayed like this. And I thought, I'll never pray like that. But anyway, he prayed like that, and he would, he would take a time, he'd pray in, in the spirit. And then he, and, and I, but I admired that because he was being him. I had some friends from, from Nigeria. One of his, his name was Uche, so he used to come. And Uche's name was Uche Chukugeme Chukucheba Chukure. was his full name. It took me four years to learn it, and I was so proud to, to call him by his full name one day. But anyway, he would pray, and he would, he would you know, he would just, he, you, you just hear, and he would just dance and sing and pray and connect with God. And, and you had some people who were very quiet. They were from Wisconsin. <laughs> they were more reserved. But how many know that all three of those people transformed their own life, and God heard their prayers, and they prayed prayers that moved heaven. I believe in it, and I saw it happen in their own life. And that's what God wants us to do as well. So, so what do we do then if, if we like to put people in systems? We want to say, well, if you're going to really pray, you got to pray like this, or you got to pray when you do this, or you got to pray this way, or you got to pray, you know, you got, no, you got to say grace this way. No, you got to say grace after you eat your food, and you got to say grace in the middle of which you eat your food. How many know it doesn't matter? What matters is the posture 
of your heart. And so I want to talk to you today about the posture of your prayer. And that's what Paul is doing. He is laying out these two areas of how we are to pray. He doesn't say this is how you are to pray. We're going to look at his prayer and apply that to our lives and learn some keys. And so I want us to read Ephesians chapter 3. Paul is praying for the church. He's praying for the believers he's working with. And this is what he begins to say for this reason. And now, now remember, he is talking about in the previous passage of Scripture of the grace and the love of God. He's talking about the goodness of God. And he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of, this glorious, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's praying things for these people. I also pray that you, that you are rooted and established in love. Doesn't say fear, doesn't say legalism, doesn't say the law. He says that you are established in love. In other words, you know God's love for you. That you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In other words, that you would be filled up with God's knowledge and his love. Now to him, speaking of God, and I love this passage, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church. Everybody say the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations Forever and ever and everybody says amen. I'm going to talk to you about the posture of prayer and then the petitions of prayer. But the first one, the posture of prayer. I want you to look at how Paul comes before the Lord when he prays and what we can learn from this. Ephesians 3.14 says this, I kneel before the Father. Now this doesn't mean that every time you pray you need to kneel before the Father. It just means that Paul's heart was was. He was coming to the Father. He had an awareness of God's love. And he came and he kneeled. Remember where he's at? He's in prison. He is, he's in a stinky cell. It, it, and what's very interesting is Paul was, was raised a Jew. And so it's not really custom for Jews to kneel when they pray. Just when you go to the wailing wall, even, even now, the Jews stand when they pray. And there, there's, there's a, but they're still calling out to God. But, but Paul is talking about that he kneels before he prays. You know, and there are, there are, we try to make and put people in boxes. Well, and I've already talked about this a little bit, but if you're going to pray, you got to pray this way. If you're going to pray for someone to have, have deliverance, you gotta, you got to pray, you got to say these seven things. If you're going to do this, then you're going to have to do that. And God wants us to be unique in our and how we interact and connect with him. We all know this, that the world does not need another us. That's why God made us different. Because he didn't want another us either. But anyway, that's another story. Because God has put a, a, his, his fingerprint on your life. He's put something unique in you that when you come before him, he doesn't want you to act or be like somebody else. He wants you to act and be like you. You're his 
daughter. You're his son. He, he, is so, he revels in the uniqueness of your life. And so the moment that we as a church or Christianity tries to put everybody in the same box, when, especially when it comes to prayer, is, is the moment that we lose the plot and we don't understand the heart of God. You know, many, I, I hear stories all the time about people who used to pray, and specifically I'm talking about prayer today. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, when he used to pray for people, he used to punch them. Don't try that here at Faith Bible Chapel. It's not going to work. It's not, it's not, don't do that. There, there have been other people. We, Jesus, when he, when he prayed for people, he, he put spit in their eye. I, I mean, God wants us to be unique. He wants us to be of the Spirit, to be led of him, to be shaped by David. When, when, he, when he prayed before God, he danced in his undergarments. How many here would say amen to not a, a person dancing in the undergarments at church? Jeremiah wept. And all these are different ways that people can pray. So what, what matters then? If it's not about the method, what is it about? It's about our hearts. And what Paul is saying, what he's demonstrating is that when you come to pray, something needs to be happening in your heart. And so as, how do we pray powerful prayers and prayers that make stuff happen? Number one, we need to have a heart of humility. We need to have a heart of humility. James chapter 4, verse 10 says this, that, that we are to humble ourselves before the Lord. When we come before, we're to humble ourselves. And what will happen? He will lift you up. And what I love about this, this passage or this, this whole chapter, really the whole book, is about God speaking through Paul about the great riches of God Almighty. So this whole understanding of, and he said this, because or because of that, I kneel before the Lord. Because of what? This is something I want you to understand that in order for you to have the proper sense of humility, you need to understand all that Jesus Christ has done for you. It's very humbling to know that regardless of your behavior, Jesus accepts you. Even when you don't feel like accepting yourself. When you realize that God is the one who called you, you didn't call yourself. God's the one who has adopted you. God is the one who has redeemed you. God is the one who sent his son to die on a cross for you. It's natural. Once you begin to understand that actually you come before God has nothing to do with how good you are, has everything to do with how good God is, how many know that's humbling? I can't check my little boxes and say, Oh, God, and now I can come to you because I have done everything right because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So what Paul is saying is you need to have an understanding of God's love for you. You come before God realizing how much he loves you, how much he adores you, how much he's passionate for you, that he calls you by name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows the bad thought you had two seconds ago. He knows the good thing you did two minutes ago. But the reality is this, none of it matters. He accepts you and he calls you his own no matter how good or bad. He says, that's my boy and that's my girl. That's humbling. And that's what Paul is talking about. He is, he is humbling himself before God. And if, if it's funny when you look at this and you see that, he says you, don't, you aren't humbled because of your fear of God. I mean, whole groups of, of denominations have built their whole church on the fear of God. You better watch out. God's going to get you. That's not a motive. It's a motivator, but that's not a motivator that brings true humility. Most people who live by the law are people who have a stinking attitude. 
And they think everyone else ought to, ought to live by the law too. And, and they, they think, well, it's my job to humble you. It means they do not understand God's love for them. And what, God, what God's wanting to show us today, that when you come to pray, this isn't about you recreating what you saw. Or are you trying to pray like somebody else? And you know, so, Listen, it, growing up in a, in a Christian environment, you always look up to people who are, who are more spiritual than you. And it's, there's nothing wrong. You should do that. But when you look up to them, you should not try to be them. You should not try to pray like them. Man, I used to think, I, you know, you hear people when they pray that, boy, it was anointed when they growled when they prayed. I thought, how do I do the growl? That's awesome. <laughs> but how many know that doesn't, the growl doesn't move God's heart? The heart of the person growling <laughs> moves God's heart. But our, our humility has to come from an understanding of God's unexhaustible love for us. And Paul is kneeling. He's expressing his love. And you can really sense this, this spirit of humility even from King David. When in in uh, Psalm 95, he says this, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the flock under His care. Now, there's nothing wrong with kneeling. There's nothing wrong. Sometimes our posture really demonstrates the posture of our hearts. Like, if I, I, for me personally, I can't worship God like this. With this face, I can't do it. What I do is I force the posture of my body to be open to the Spirit of God. That's for me, personally, that's what it takes. You have to connect with God in certain ways as well. But the key to having powerful prayers is to understand, to come to God with humility, understanding His great love for you. I want to move quickly through these first three because then I want to take some time at the end. The second way that you come to God as a posture when you pray is you need to have a spirit of worship. There has to be something in your heart that just comes to God and just the, the goodness of God begins to flow from you as you come humbly before him. Lord, I worship you. God, I recognize that there's no one else above you. Lord, I'm honored that you call me your son and you bring me into your presence and I can make requests before the God of the universe that spoke everything into existence at the at the breath, at the, at the words from your own mouth, and yet you call me to come closer. Father, I worship you. And even in worship, you begin to lift your voice. Lord, I worship you. God, I exalt your name. Lord, you're everything I seek. Lord, you're my peace. You're my strength. You're my hope. And I worship you. I give you all of my worries today. You're my life. You're my joy. Nothing else matters. And you begin to worship him. And just like how the atmosphere in this room shifted, the atmosphere of your heart will shift. You don't have to be able to carry it tuned to worship God. You just begin to express your worship, and your love for him. And this is what David said when he gathered all the people. He, David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord. They all worshiped 
the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King. This whole idea of worship is it's an act of love. It's an act that responds to the goodness of God and the goodness of what he's done in your life. You begin to worship, and worship breaks the chains of, 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 of your mind. It breaks the chains of insecurity. It breaks the chains of fear. It breaks the chains of anxiety. And we come to worship God. And when we worship him, we acknowledge he's actually the only one who can meet us and can change us right where we are. We can jump through every hoop on the planet, but it is the goodness of this God that we're coming to, that we worship, that can change our circumstances in a moment. That's what we worship. The third way that we can come in prayer, for prayers that move the heart of God and make stuff happen, is number three, we come to him with a heart of confidence. And what I love about this is when, when you hear Paul praying, you don't hear arrogance you don't hear, hear, God, you owe me, and you better do this for me. You don't hear that at all. But there is a humble, worshipful confidence that it comes before God. As we talked about last week, we talked that Christ, the work of Jesus, has given us access to God. He is, he's opened the doors for us that we can run boldly through the throne room of grace, that he's the door. And when we, if he's knocking on the door of our hearts, we open the door of our hearts, and then we walk through his door. Once we walk through his door, we can run boldly to the throne room of God. And that's why Paul said early in Ephesians chapter 3, he said this, in him, him and through faith in him, we may approach God with what? Freedom and confidence. Say those two words with me. Freedom and confidence. This is one of the most, I don't know how to say this. It's one of the things in churches that most people do not walk in. They don't walk in freedom and they don't walk in confidence. They walk in bondage. They walk with the sense that God doesn't like them. God's angry at them. And they walk in the sense of, of insecurity, not confidence. That somehow, God, I don't know, don't look at me. God, don't, don't pay any attention to me. God, I'm just coming here just to pay my penance. That is not what God has for you. He, is, he sent his son to die on a cross so you can stand up straight and walk into his presence with confidence. Not fear is not a motivator out of 1 John because it says this because fear is attached to punishment. How many know that your punishment was upon a man named Jesus Christ who died on a cross so that you could be free from your punishment? You need to walk in the grace of God. The grace of God. And so this is why we are to come with a heart full of confidence. And the Bible calls our Father our glorious Father. He's the Father of all, and we should have confidence. So that is the posture. This is how we come to God in prayer. This is how we, we, we position our hearts to pray prayers that make stuff happen. I want to talk to you about what do we ask for as we come with a heart of humility, a heart of, of worship, and a heart of confidence? What is our petition of prayer? And we're just going to walk through these verses today. And this is a, a very just simple, straightforward, line-by-line -line message out of this passage. Number one, we need to ask for the fullness of God's power and his love in our lives. We ask for the fullness of God's power and love in our lives. And this is what this is what is laid out for us that we have access to when we come to pray that we would be strengthened with power. I need strength to happen inside of me, but I can't do it my own with my own. Verse 17 is that we should be rooted and firmly established in love. 
that we will be able to comprehend God's love. This whole understanding, it's not about that we, and I'll share with you in a bit, could tell God how much we love him, that we would be able to comprehend God's love for us. That we would be filled with all the fullness of God, and then according to the power that works in us, that we would be, we would be filled fresh and anew according to the power that is alive and working in us. And what I love about these, this passage and what we're about to talk about is that the God that we serve is a God that can be experienced. He can be felt. He can transform you. He can change you. He can strengthen. We can be rooted. We, he, we can comprehend that we can be. There is this experiential God that we serve and we know today. That's why God, I don't know if you know this or not, gave you emotions. A lot of people say, well, you know, serving God isn't, it's not about emotional experience. I agree, but emotions are a part of experiencing God. How do you experience God without feeling God? Now, usually where that comes from is people who don't really have many emotions. And so that's what they want to put that mantle on everybody else. But God gave you emotions of joy, emotions of peace. Think about this. Love, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. How, what, what is, those are all what? Emotions. Those emotions need to be used as we communicate and express our love for God. And this is, what, this is what God wants us to do. That we can be filled fresh and anew. That you can experience a living, loving God that wants to transform you and change you and meet you right where you are. And this is what I'm so thankful. That we serve a God that wants us to experience Him. Church should not be a place you come to observe. It should be a, be a place that you come to experience God. That something happens, that there's a sense in your own heart. What's happening in me? My, great, my first encounter with God as a young man, I thought, all I know is that what I'm sensing and feeling, I can feel stuff. God's taking my emotions and, and he's using them to communicate his great love for me. It transformed my life forever. And my prayer is that it would do the same for you. And number two, and so when we come to God to pray prayers, what do we do? We need to ask to be strengthened by the Spirit's power. And this is what Paul was praying for the church. This is what we should pray in our own lives that we would ask to be strengthened by the Spirit's power. Ephesians 3.16, he says this, that God would strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Everybody say inner being. Inner being. This is important for you to understand this idea that you have a, an inner being. This inner being is what allows you to overcome sin, to fight off sin. It gives you the courage to proclaim the gospel. It gives you, it gives you the ability to die to yourself. It's how we overcome our emotions that are not of God and live by the fruit of the Spirit. To love people the way that Christ has loved them. That we are renewed on the inside. What religion does is religion focuses on the outside. As long as you look good, as long as you got everything together, as long as you got the mask, you wear the shirt, you wear the sports jacket, you look just right. Wow, you got it all together. But what happens is, is we know that because the inner being isn't full of the spirit and power of God, their attitude sometimes is nasty and it stinks. How many have ran into someone that looked really religious, but after you had a conversation with them, you realized, I think they're a devil? <laughs> Don't point to them. Stop pointing to them. Stop it. <laughs> this whole idea is that we need to have our inner being renewed. 
This is what God wants us to do. And we live in a world that doesn't focus much on the inner being. We focus a lot on the outside. And there's nothing wrong with taking care of of your physical body. I believe we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should be healthy. We should exercise. We should. But how, how many know this? No matter how much you exercise or how much work you get done, when you look in the mirror, guess what? It's gonna fade away. And it's fading away right before your eyes, isn't it? Don't point to anybody. Yes, it is. It's pointing. No, I'm sorry. So this whole idea is that we, he's talking about you gotta strengthen your inner being. You've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. You need to be filled with the power of God. And this is, this is also the other thing. We live on earth, and it can get depressing as your body begins to decay. It begins to fade away. You get sickness. You, 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 hurt, you fall down. You hurt yourself. You blow your knee out. You, it, you, it gets depressing. And if we don't realize that actually this here is decaying, it's going to go away one day, that actually what we're here on earth to do is to strengthen our inner being, it can rob our joy. It can rob us from the life that God wants us to live. But as a Christian, there's something going on in us that is greater than anything that's going outside of us. And this is what Paul wants us to understand. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this. We don't lose heart. In other words, we don't get depressed. We don't get frustrated. Which, is, which I know sickness can be one of the most joy-robbing things in our life. And I know that God can heal you. But we know that God doesn't always heal you. And I don't know the answers to all of that. But what I do know is this. We do not lose heart no matter what physically you're going through. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. And this is God's heart for us. We would grow. We would renew the inner being. Here's my question to you today. When's the last time you spent as much time in your inner being as you do on your outer being? When's the last time you mapped out a diet for your inner being? When's the last time in a new season... You're thinking it's bathing suit season. I better, I better map out a diet. Nothing wrong with that. But the reality is, when's the last time you took time to map out an inner being diet? And this is what Paul wants to encourage us to do today. Number three, what do we ask for? We need to ask to grasp Christ's love for us. So when we come and we have a heart of, of humility... We come, we have a heart of worship that we're just glorifying the Father and we come with confidence and we're beginning to, to understand, God, we need, we need to be filled with your Spirit's power. And Lord, we know that you have the fullness of yourself. You want to be made new. And then what we need to do is we need to understand and ask to grasp, to comprehend Christ. Imagine this. Paul is praying for these people in the church in Ephesus. He's not, he's not praying, God, I pray that, that, they would, that they would love you more. I pray that they could, you could teach them how to express their love more for you. No, no, he prays the opposite, that they would be able to comprehend and understand your love for them. That's a game changer. It's a game changer. He says this, my, my prayer is that you would be rooted and established in love. 
Doesn't say you be rooted and established in law, rooted and established in behavior, rooted and established in your perfection, rooted and established in, in, in that you check every box, rooted and established that you can lay your head down at night and make sure I did everything right, therefore God loves me. No, no, that you would be rooted and established that Christ is the one who loved you first. While you were still a sinner, Christ loved you. And this is the revolutionary impact of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I heard Jack Hayford say one, one day, he, he said someone, he was talking about the, the grace of God. And he said this, if you do not get any emails or pushback after you preach on the grace of God, you didn't preach it correctly. There might be some of you now who are wrestling with this. Because you think, well, but hey, don't you give people a license, Pastor Jason. Don't you dare, don't you do it. This isn't about a license. This is about Christ's love for you. Let's follow the word of God and allow his love to shape who we are. Let's not worry about about everything that could happen. Let's just obey what scripture says and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he will allow all those other things to work in us and through us. It doesn't mean we don't address them, but what it does mean is that we allow the love of Christ to be number one, not the, not, not the fear of judgment or the fear of punishment, but the love of Christ to rule and to reign. Amen? It's understanding and grasping Christ's love. So yes, we need to pray for strength, and yes, we need to pray for these other things, but we need to begin to pray, Lord, help me to understand your love for me. There's so many people in today's church that because of faulty human relationships, we feel like God loves us just like someone else loves us in our life. Or just like our earthly father loved us. Or just like our mother loved us or didn't love us. And and we're always wrestling with this understanding. God wants to give you a supernatural understanding that his love for you is far beyond anything you could ever think of, ever dream of. And he wants to transform you and change you. A person who fully understands God's love is usually a really nice person. There's a sense of grace about them. They're not going around pointing fingers at everybody. They're not trying to prove everybody else wrong. They're just loving people. And that's what Paul wanted this church to do. He just wanted them just to love each other. Galatians 2.20 says this, that I have been crucified with Christ. And this is Paul talking. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The love, or sorry, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. So if you, many times we say a crucified life, if we live a crucified life, then God loves us more. But Paul said, actually, it's because of my understanding of his love for me and what he gave for me, I live a crucified life. And this is what the love of God does in us and through us. And this is why for you and I, we need to pray this fresh and anew. I want to challenge you to take these notes home. Weave this into your prayers. Let this be a part of who you are, that you would explore and understand the inexhaustible, uncomprehendable love of Jesus Christ towards you and for you. If we do that, we will be a better church and people because of it. Amen? And the last point is this. What do we pray for? As we pray when we come before God with great expectations. This is what we are to, once we understand God's love, his grace for us, I want us to hear what the, what the Bible says 
about God, which is Ephesians 3.20. It says this, that now to him, which is God, now to him who is able. You think who is able to do what? Well, listen, I, I want you to see this. I want you to see this, that God is able. Can you say this with me? God is able. Say it again. God is able. Now, I want you just to think for a minute. Every, any challenge that you have in your life right now, whether it's a child, whether it's finances, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a work situation, I, I don't know what it is. It could be I don't, big, small. Now, I want you to th- put, put that on your head. Just put it right here. Let yourself feel the emotion of it. And I want you to say this with me now. God is able. Say it again. God is able. And this is what we need to understand. That God is able. Able to what? I want to walk through this just a little bit at a time. God is able to what? The first one, to do above. In other words, God's ways are always higher. God's ways are always greater. God's ways are... If, if, if we thought about this, God's already thought about this. But this is like an info commercial. But wait, there's more. And then he goes on to the next one. That God is able to do above and beyond. Oh, wow. Okay. When you come to, you got to have expectations that first God is able. But then God is able to, to do above whatever your circumstances is. But not only just above. He's able to do above and beyond. That's even further. But wait. There's more. And the next one is this. That God is able to do above and beyond all that we ask. Whatever we can say with our mouths. And I'm telling you, I can say a lot of stuff with my mouth. You ask my wife. She'll tell you. I can dream and I can, I can say things that's way out there. You know, I like doing that because I think whatever I ridiculously say, God's like, I can do better. That's why I like doing it. And then, but wait, there's more. This is our God we're talking about. But wait, there's more. God is able to not to that, but to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. Another word for this think is imagine. I've got a crazy imagine. I can dream stuff. Can you dream? And this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to pray with great expectations. That God can take our, our requests. He can take our petitions. And he can say, but I can do better. I can do better. I can do better. And we need to ask God for things that actually our requests are at the level of the God that we say is so great. If your requests for God are, make sense to you, then I'm just going to ask you, I'm just going to ask you to lift that up a notch. I'm, I'm going to ask you to em- emerald legacy it, like take it up a notch, come on. And you can even say bam when you, when you ask it, it's totally fine. But to take it up a notch. If, if, you're, if you're praying human prayers, which we all do, because our life is human and we have a lot of different things that's going on in us, begin to pray, but what would, what would God want me to pray? And here's my question to all of us today. When's the last time you prayed a ridiculous prayer? When's the last time you said, God, 
I in the, I in the natural would pray for this. Lord, I need, I, I need $1,000 by the end of this week. Just be a little silly. Say, Lord, I need $2,000 by the end of this week. I need 1000 but I really would like 2000 I'm, I'm, just, I'm just challenging you. And what, whatever it is that you're praying, I'm just asking you to begin to dream big. Begin to write your desires down. What's your wish list from God? Have you ever sat down and wrote a, a, a five, top five wish lists? And just write them down. Maybe you want to pay your house off. Write it down. Begin to pray for it. Maybe you want God to take you to another nation. Maybe you want to live in another nation. Write it down. Maybe you want God to take, um, to, to heal all of your diseases. Write it down and pray for that. Maybe you want God to give you an opportunity to lead in politics. Maybe you want to pastor a church. Don't pray that one. I'm telling you, don't do it. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe it may feel like, you know what, God, I want to pastor a church. Write it down. Maybe you want to lead worship. Maybe, whatever it may be. Maybe, and then once you write that down, then, then make another list of, the, of a list that's, that's a, a notch above that. What does that mean? And here's the deal. You think, yes, but Jason, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just, God doesn't want to do crazy things with me. I want you to think of the examples in the Bible. God worked in the life of Abraham, Moses, Gideon, David, Elijah, Isaiah, Nehemiah, the disciples, the church. And that God did incredible, extraordinary things through ordinary people by his power at work in them. So it's time for us to start acknowledging that God wants to do the same through us. And we need to begin to pray those things. We really do. But here's, here's the deal. Well, Jason, I don't think we should pray that because God, God's not, it's not about me. You're right. It's not about you. So why, why does God want to do, and this is in the Bible, want to do above, above and beyond, above and beyond all that we ask, above and beyond than all we ask or imagine or think. Why does he want to do that? Ephesians 3.21. The next verse goes into this. So that to him can be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. And all the church says, amen. amen. It's not about you. It's about you doing something that transforms the next generation. It's about you doing something that's going to transform your children's lives. It's about God using you and you beginning to dream a bit about, God, what do you want for me? And so what God wants to do in your life and the, and the ridiculous prayers that you want to pray for God, it's not about your legacy. It's about his legacy through you. And what God does at this church, it's not about Faith Bible Chapel's name. It's about the God of the universe's name. It's about his son, Jesus Christ, that they would get the glory. And our prayers here should not be about our generation, what I want, it should be about how can I make an impact in the next generation? What do they need? What do they want? What can I hand off to them? I want God to do something so ridiculous here that only He can get the glory for. I want to I, I help create a movement for the next generation that's desperate and The millennial generation that everyone speaks negatively of. In our church, wherever. Everybody makes fun of the millennial generation. 
Well, I want that generation. I want them to, to be transformed. I want them to change. I want them to take who they are. And the church needs to stop thinking about that's, don't say that's their generation. No, start owning, that's my generation. God, give me that generation. I want that generation. I want to reach them. I want to serve them. I want to see them because guess what? They're the next people who are going to be leading this country. They're the next people who's going to be leading on the front lines of mission. They're the next pastors of churches and elders and deacons and Sunday school teachers. They're it. The next worship pastors, they're it. If you ignore them and all you do is speak death over them, guess what? Your church does not have a future. Begin to call them out. I want to share with you guys a couple thoughts. Things that I'm believing God for. What I'm praying God would give us as a church. One, I want us to be able to build the best children's wing in the nation that gives Walt Disney a run for his money. That's what I want. I want that children's wing to be able to serve disabled children with learning disabilities, have sensory challenges, and put in their hearts the love of Jesus Christ and meet them right where they are. I want our children to know that this church is invested in them and that they hear us praying bold and ridiculous expected prayers for the glory of God and the glory of this church for them. I want our worship department to influence people around the world. I want us to send teams that set up in the middle of a, of a square, smack dab in the middle of the Philippines that's controlled by seven witches and warlocks and begin to worship the king of glory and that his light will come down and break strongholds. That's what I want. That's what I pray God for. I want us to raise up worship leaders and what it means to flow by the Spirit. I want us to give the next generation worship leaders what it means to be bathed in the Spirit of God. I want us to be able to transform the next generation by, by the songs of the heart and the, and the psalms that would come from people. I, don't, I do not want a church that is critical of new songwriters. I don't want a church like that. I don't want a church that, that sends emails every time they disagree with one word in a song. I want a church that, that says, you know what? I, I respect their love and their passion for Jesus Christ. I'm going to stand behind them. I'm going to strengthen them. I'm going to lift them up. I, 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 I'm telling you, I don't think God wants our church to be a place when, with, with an electric guitar player has a funny haircut and you get offended over it. I don't think there's, no, everybody's good back here. If you want a future church, begin embracing the future. God wants us to live ridiculously. I'm asking God to use me to impact five generations past me. Well, Jason, that's arrogant. No, that's trusting in the grace of God. That's ridiculous. And I want God to use you to do the same. You want to live a life that is boring? You want to live a life that's... that's that's insignificant. You want to live a life that's cranky pants and, and, and frustrated all the time? Then just worry about what you want. 
and you got it. But if you want to begin to live a life that's full of passion, full of heart, you want to begin to, to see people move, the, the temperature of God's hunger to be, be raised in this church, begin to think about outside of you, begin to think about who do I need to impact, who do I need to pray for, what generation do I need to reach down to or up to, the older or the younger, what do you need to do? Let's begin to, to dream outside of our own boxes and think that if I do that, God can do something amazing through our church. That's just what I'm dreaming. Now you may not dream it like that and you might be offended. Don't send me an email. I don't care if you don't care about the next generation. Because Jesus does. I love you with all of my heart. God's called me to this church, to pastor this church, to lead this church. And I am so honored every morning, every Sunday morning. I'm telling you, before I come here, I think, God, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve these people. I don't deserve this worship team. I don't deserve your spirit. But if you place your hand on me, I'll do everything you tell me to do until they run me out of town. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. God wants to do something ridiculous through our church. I believe it. And I'm just asking you to join me. I'm asking you to set your critical spirits aside. I'm asking you to stop walking into a place and make a list of five things that you don't like. Make a list of five things that you're gonna fix. How about that? Make a list of five things you love. Make a list of five kids you're gonna speak life into. Make a list of five people you're gonna pray for. Make a list of five, five worship songs that you're, when they come up, you're gonna just shout and sing and be glorifying the Father through your own voice. I'm just asking you, join me in believing in the ridiculous. I'm asking God to give us the most effective youth ministry in our state that calls out teenagers to make a difference in the world with the power of God. For them to hear the Father's voice through us that recognizes their greatness and their call. That the youth ministry would not be a sub-ministry of the big church, but it would be the big church that's happening alongside all of us today. I want us to send a fresh wave of missionaries the nations that don't have them, a generation that has never been sent out. I want us to get missionaries on the soils of, of North Korea. I want us to be able to be a part of the last push before the return of Jesus Christ. That's what I want. That's what I'm asking God for. And I want to do it all debt free. I don't believe the Lord wants us to be a slave to the lender. I don't believe it. And so here's how we do this. That's just me. You have your own dreams. We move forward at the rate of as God gives us opportunity. We will allow him. But we also move forward at the level of our generosity as a church. That's how we do it. We won't get ahead of God. We won't get behind God. But we as a church, the giving as a church, is what sets the gas pedal on the vision of this church. And I'm proud. You guys are amazing. 
and we all are we all are giving and we're serving but i just believe god has more for us and i just believe god wants to do something fresh and new through us and in us and i just believe that god has something amazing for your life that we could be a part of something that one day we're just going to sit around and laugh and say can you believe god did that can you believe that god saved my son can you believe that god reached my grandson who was strung out on drugs can you believe that god restored our marriage can you believe that that god served a whole community of disabled children that didn't have a place to worship on sunday morning but we touched them and touched their families and transformed them can you believe that our children's ministry grew by 400 percent in two years because we gave them a place that said we value this generation can you believe that, that God gave us a place into high schools to be able to preach the gospel and serve people and love people? Can you believe that, that we went out, our first year we did serve day, we had 300 people. The third year we did it, we had 1,500 people serving in our community. Can you believe what God did through us? And then we'll say this, only God can get the glory. Amen. My friends, I love you, and I'm grateful for what God has for us as a church, and I'm grateful for you, and I'm grateful to keep moving forward, and I'm grateful that, that God is, is moving in our midst and transforming us and changing us. But I also, I also want you to begin to dream bigger than you've ever dreamt before. Begin to pray with expectations. Begin to run confidently to the presence of God. Begin to believe that God can use your life. Begin to believe that God can get you out of debt. Begin to believe that God can pay off your house. Begin to believe that God can restore your marriage. Begin, write it down and then go through, go, go through the level. He's able to do it. He, he's, he can go above, above and beyond, above anything we could ask, above anything we'd ask or think we can imagine. Begin to apply that to your request that you lay before God. And I'm telling you, you're going to feel something shift in your heart and you're going to feel God's eye God lift your eyes from your circumstances and how big they are to him and he's going to remind you how big he is and then you're going to begin to pray according to his his size not your problem size and that's what God wants to do with you in this church with our community I want every soul God would give me the opportunity to reach. Could I get one more? Could I reach one more? Can we reach one more family? Just one more. God, before I take my last breath on this earth, I want to reach one more. That's my heart. And I pray that it be your heart too. Let's bow our heads for a moment. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.